Well, well hey, howdy, hey. Welcome, welcome to, to the Texans Take. Okie dokie. Wow, we're back. This is going to be a little bit different. Yep. So we, uh, we've we taken, actually, we've taken several breaks over the last two months, I think. A lot of things have happened. A lot. So we figured we would take this time to uh, catch everybody up on why we haven't been, quote unquote, as active. Yeah. Well, um, I had a baby. That's a big reason to not be active. First baby. Yep. Eliza Marie Lyons. How's Very... sleeping? Sleeping is actually going pretty well. I've noticed that if I want to wake up at like 5.30 or something, which sounds crazy, but I do it regularly, like at least a couple times a week, that becomes really difficult. But it might also become difficult because it might also be difficult because like we're going to bed pretty late anyway. Yeah. And so when I try to wake up that early, I don't know. I've I guess I don't feel too old for that. quite as rested as I would like. But I'm still getting a lot of rest. Uh, a lot of sleep. So maybe the quality of sleep has gone down, but the volume is still up. So yeah. I'm losing a little bit there, but as far as that goes, I think I'm right on par with an average dad. <laughs> I mean, right. you know. So, you I'm know, not... I never found that um, I think I've lost more sleep with Aowen than I did ever with Lila or with Adeline. Oh yeah. Um and I don't I she just it's not that she cuz she'll sleep mostly through the night. Mm-hmm. But when she does wake up it's the most inopportune time. Yeah. Like it'll be I've gone up, got up to go to the restroom, which Allie doesn't throughout mm-hmm. the night. I mean, impressive. Oh, it's very um and I only recently noticed this by the way. I just always assumed, like, when I'm sleeping, she goes, right, et cetera. And it just, you know, I said something. I was like, well, just get it when you get up to go to the restroom. And she was like, I don't. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, what? How have I never noticed this, you know? Um, but what will happen is I'll get up to go to the restroom. And I'll lay back down. I'll get to sleep. Then she wakes up. Uh, and so then I'm rattled, and after I've woken up that way, it'll take me a solid hour and a half of tossing and turning before my body goes says, back to sleep. Yep, and then oh wow, that's that's annoying because it's like I went to sleep and then was abruptly woken back. Yeah, up. yeah. And then the problem is, by the time I get back to sleep again, I'm so getting up in an hour to go to work. For me, I would say that it's probably ideal, like as far as it goes, because like. Juliana doesn't wake me up in the night intentionally. Right. You know, and I, I've told her time and time again, if you need me, wake me up. Right. And she's always like, no. And there's a reason for this. And the reason is because, you know, when Eliza wakes up, there's nothing that dad can do that will satiate her crying. Because right. she's not crying for, like, companionship or anything. She's hungry and wants some milk. Yeah. I don't, don't got have that. Parts. <laughs> I don't got that. Sorry. <laughs> you know, when 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 God was distributing genders, um, the one that I got didn't come with like you know. Yeah, you weren't equipped milk. with the prep pack. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He was like, you you initiate the process, but that's it. <laughs> like after that, you know, the other half 
of uh, the gene pool is going to be. Which is funny you know, for, for the next really, you know, almost a year and a half, two years. Uh huh. Nothing you can do. Yeah, nothing. And then at that point, when they start actually taking a bottle and stuff like that, yeah, that's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, and we're going to possibly try a bottle here in a little bit just to make it convenient for others. But we're going to try to do breastfeeding as much as possible. And that's, as soon and that's as you start focusing on the bottle, then you have supply issues because you can, you know, because, you know, then you're... Well, first off, we would like the baby to have a good solid latch throughout the entirety. Right. You know, and when you start training them on the bottle, the only problem with that is that the bottle is easy. And so they get a whole bunch of milk from the bottle. So when they go back to the lovely uh, um, uh, milk taps, the, the breasts, Good save. Yeah. You know, they're like, no, this is too much work. Yeah. Why would I do that? So they just cry, you know, cry and scream. Funny and then you give them the bottle and then they're happy again. It's like, okay, so it's kind of either, you know, breast or bottle. There's, there's, and, the, and there may between, be a variance. There may be a variance, but I know Lila wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't really even take a bottle. And when she did, it was always straight back to the boob. Oh, that's good. And, Adeline and Ava are the same way. Oh like, well, hey, there you go. It was, it was, it's really just like they didn't. Yeah, there wasn't really, and we only ever used, still only use a bottle if it's necessary. Yeah, and that's what we really want to do is just use the bottle if it's necessary. But which, we have, we haven't had the problem where it's like, oh no, I want the bottle over that. Right. That's actually okay. I mean, that's an well, interesting. Good. I've never heard of. Uh, that's yeah, what I hear. But I also an haven't issue. had experience yeah. with it. Mine has been. All the other ones. I don't have experience either. Everything that I say, I have two weeks and two days of experience. That's it. So take, yeah, but you you take what you I do say research with a grain of salt. Too, so you I done. do do research. I have lots of siblings, and I did take care of my twin sisters while they were babies, and I was not. So like, I was already prepped with changing diapers and burping and the whole shebang. You know, I'm okay with that. You know, it's not a problem. Um, but all of that to say is. When the baby wakes up in the night crying, there yeah. ain't nothing that I can do at this point. So no. Juliana doesn't wake me up because, you know, it's actually really useful. And it works <laughs> out really well because that way, because if I were to do something, then I would be drained in the morning. Right. You know, and I've got stuff that I've got to do throughout the day. And Juliana can take a rest. She can take a nap and that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know. But I generally am doing stuff throughout the day. And so if I start out groggy, then that doesn't help anything. So really, Juliana is just trying to, you know, mitigate damage here. Yeah, well, and it's know. like, if you do get up with her, it's like, what are you you're just sitting there? You're just the moral support. And so I figured it out. This is what I do. This is the Stuart method. <laughs> the Stuart method for sleeping with a newborn. And that is... When the newborn screams in the night, which she will. That's her thing now, is screaming in the night because she's hungry and wants some milk. Some, um, what, what, what's, what's the Spanish for mom? Madre? Mi madre? Madre. Yeah, yeah madre. We're going to call it uh, um, leche de madre. When she's seeking <laughs> leche de madre, <laughs> um, Juliana will wake up. Notice I'm not in the equation yet. Mm -hmm. and she will tend to the baby 
feed the baby, give her milk, burp her and all that, I'm still asleep. So, so far, so far the Stuart method is very non-interventive, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if anything happens, I'm asleep, okay? And so this is a good thing. So when I wake up in the morning, you know, I've rested all throughout the night. And so my job was really easy and it's just to sleep. <laughs> so that's the Stuart method for having a good night when there's a screaming baby is just sleep. That's what you got to wait. See, for. I have, I have, <laughs> I have two, and I've never, I've never. Uh, it's funny that you can sleep through that. I say that because, like, if I'm really tired, hold on, hold on, hold All on. Right, go ahead, on. go ahead. When I am really tired, I can sleep through an elephant storm in my house. Oh, I know I can. I can literally sleep through a fire alarm because I've done it. But ninety percent of the time. And I've had this conversation when I, when I got diagnosed for sleep apnea. I had uh -huh. this conversation with my doctor because I was like, is this normal? I feel like it's hot. I can hear every conversation in the room. Oh. I am totally asleep. Whoa. But I can consciously hear every conversation. Dude, that's awesome because you can choose whether to wake up or not. In the room. I can, ha I can literally hear. And so as soon as a baby wake, that wakes me up instantly, I'm like, I can't. I can't like shut that out, right? Right. Because it's too much. It's yeah. like overpower. Yeah. But not. I find that out a lot. I can. I can be sleeping. You can't. You now, can't also, pause the game, go into settings, and turn down the external volume. So well, the funny the ambient noise. That, you can't turn down the. I I from time to time, and it doesn't happen all the time. My control is limited to when it happens, but uh -huh. I can lucid dream. I can legitimately. Nice. I've done that like two or three times in my life. I can. Uh, it's it. happened to me a lot more, but I can't yeah. like go to bed and go, I'm going to lucid dream tonight. You know, that's yeah, my goal. Yeah. It just, when it happens, it happens. Like I can wake up, go to the restroom, come back, go to sleep, and start right where I left off in whatever dream I was in. Mm -hmm. Continue whatever I was doing. Yeah. I can change the course, but it doesn't happen all the time. But I've always thought that maybe that was a, a part of, hey, me to being able to hear all these conversations yeah. and things interacting, it's like I'm never completely shut off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so um, I'll, uh, I will actually, when, the reason why I tried to stop you early is because you're like, well, I don't know how you sleep through that. And I'm like, no, hold on here. I didn't say that I can sleep through that. <laughs> I tried to, you know. And so what, what I'll do, though, this is the next part. Of this. The, the Stuart method is to sleep all the way through the night. If the wife needs you, she'll say something. Ideally, she won't because there's nothing that I can do anyway, you know. And so if and when I do get woken up, Generally, I see visions of like things happening, and then I just wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's like because not you know things happen, but I just slept through it. But if it's enough that it actually wakes me up, like I'm, I need to use the bathroom or something like that, you know, and I'm like, okay, now I can't go back to sleep. What I'll do is I'll just sit there in bed, and I will rub my wife's back, and um, you know she really loves that. If I could. If I could, you know, uh, give her a foot rub, we'd do it. But generally, I'm too too tired and dead to do that. So I rub her back, and um, and she enjoys that. You know, it, it comforts her. So that way, she's the one feeding the baby and all that. And my job is to help my wife in that. And how I help her if I'm actually awake, rub the back. 
she absolutely loves it. We wake up in the morning and she was like, that was really nice. I'm like, what was nice? She was like, you were rubbing my back when I needed, you know, and you didn't have to. I was like, well, I couldn't sleep, so I had to do something. I just rubbed your back. It was kind of like, it's kind of like counting sheep, you know? Just rub her back. You just count the number of times you do it, and <laughs> you're down again, down for the count. Wake up in the morning, and everybody's happy. So that's that's the entirety of the stew method. Try to sleep through it. If you can't, rub her back until you fall asleep. There you go. It's easy, you know? <laughs> just sleep. Just sleep, you know? Now, the Juliana method is complete. That one's difficult. I can't explain that. I haven't, well, I haven't, like, experienced the entire thing. But, you know, I'm sure it, you know, is a lot more detailed. Uh, and it doesn't actually involve sleeping through the night. It involves waking up several times. And so, like, the other night, Juliana was like, yeah, I woke up, like, two and a half times or something to, to feed the baby and had to change a diaper once. And I was just like, whoa. Where was I in all this? She was like, man, you were sleeping so soundly. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, how were you sleeping through this? Like, I, I don't know. Man, um, I can do that sometimes. I can but, sleep uh, through anything. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she was like, you know, oh, this is a good night. I only woke up like two and a half times. I was like, all right. Okay, well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're happy. What does the average night look like? <laughs> oh. Honestly, it's between two and three. I don't think it's woken up more than that. But like two and a half is good, I suppose. But a half? How do you wake up a half? I, I don't know. You know, like it wakes you up and you go back to sleep. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, you don't need to eat three times in a night, I wouldn't think. But anyway, but it's like every what, three hours or something. Yeah, it's like two or three hours. Um. So yeah, everything's been going really well. Happy to have the baby. You know, it's uh, um, honestly. My prideful self, you know, pride comes out. It manifests itself in everybody's life. But in some people's lives, it manifests itself differently. It will mm -hmm. always manifest itself differently. You know, like, um, you know, you might be the sweetest guy in the world. You might have, like, absolutely no pride at all. And then you look in the mirror and you're just like, oh, yeah, look at that good-looking dude there. <laughs> Nobody got what this guy got, you know? What's up? Pride can manifest itself differently. Well, this is how I was prideful. So while my wife was giving birth, you know, one of the things that was in the back of my mind was, you know, was like, gee, I hope this isn't an ugly baby. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just like, uh, I can honestly say I don't know that I've ever had that. I thought. was just like, you know, gosh, I, I can't wait to meet my baby girl. What if she's an ugly baby? I don't know if I can deal with that, you know, but she's not. She's a very cute baby. I love her to death. She's wonderful. It's, uh, you know, no worries there. I caught her. She's great. I got to catch her. My dad's been joking for a month or two or five now that, you know, Stuart's just going to stand out there with the baseball mitt. You got your baseball mitt, Stuart? You know, <laughs> got to catch that baby. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, I'll be doing that. Yeah. And then when it actually happens, I'm like, oh, 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 where's my baseball mitt? You know, <laughs> I need my dad home. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I caught the baby and he had a shorter umbilical cord than usual. So um, we had to rest her on. Juliana's stomach before I cut the cord and then gave it, you know, gave her to Juliana. So that was really special. Um, 
And uh, yeah, everything, we had a very solid plan for birthing our baby. Our plan was, you know, go as, yeah, natu deviations, as natural as possible. We're going to have a midwife. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to have this baby at home. And, you know, we're going to have, you know, the mom's there, the dad's there, uh, like, you know, grandma's and grandpa's there. And the midwives and her assistants are going to be bubbling around. And it's just going to be fantastic. And we had this in our mind, and it was wonderful. And absolutely none of that happened, except for, <laughs> okay, the grandparents were there, which is fantastic. It really was. But every single thing that we had planned for, it just none of it happened. Every, there was so many complications. And um, um, we even put together a birth plan, which the birth plan you put together so that when you go to the hospital, you can basically talk to the doctor, you hand them this, and you're like, this is how I want this birth to happen. I don't want any of this stuff over here. I do want this over here. You're allowed to ask me this, but I'm allowed to tell you no. You're not allowed to ask me this over here. I don't want this. I do want that. You know, you're basically laying out how you want it to be done. And to a point, they have to go with it. They really do. Right. Like, you know, they can, they can try to enforce this, that, and the other. And you can actually tell them, uh, no, I have my rights here. Like, we have our rights, and you cannot impede on those. Now, if it comes to a life-threatening situation, it's like, okay, we've got to, you know, change things up a little bit here. Now we'll do this over here, you know. And um, generally, it works out really well, but there's a lot of parents that honestly get screwed over because they go to the hospital. They have no idea what they can and can't do, what their rights are, what they're not. And the hospital will just, you know, Walk right over them. Walk right over them, and then you'll go from having a natural birth to an epidural to a C-section, and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. It all could have been avoided. You know, they'll put you on Pitocin, and you're just like, you know, I didn't know that I could say no to this and do this. And, you know, I just you keep hearing bad stuff about it. But what I will say is we had to go to the hospital. We had to do a lot of that stuff that we would never have done because my wife had ICP, which is intraheptic cholestasis of pregnancy. I got it. Um, and basically what that is, is it's, um, um, it's a liver condition. And your body is not processing bile the way it should. And uh, I think you get too much bile. And a lot of it goes into your bloodstream. And so the, the symptoms are itchy palms and feet. And so if you have that and you're a pregnant mom, you should talk to your doctor or midwife about that, you know? Man, I might be a pregnant mom because I have itchy feet, itchy hands. Oh, my gosh. Man, Juliana had so few symptoms. Her symptoms of being pregnant were the belly. Mine were everything and was, else. And that was I barely. I had cravings. She did not even show that much. It was incredible. I had, like, you know, the mood. The, I didn't really have the mood swings. Okay, Julia had that a little bit, but still, it's just like, you know. Uh, even her prenatal gummies tasted good. But, you well, know, of course, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great. I'm like, I'm ready to have a baby anytime. <laughs> you know? uh, here, it's a great way to drop some pounds. Um but yeah, so the 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 ICP. So I'm gonna um, tell my doctor next time. It was so getting like, to the I'm yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> getting to the point where like she was itchy everywhere, everywhere. It was horrible. And uh, so when we told her midwife about that, she was like, "Ooh, 
do some more studying up on this because that don't sound good. And so she did, and she was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely ICP. And long story short, she was like, I've never dealt with ICP before. I've heard about it. I took a class. I took the token class because you're supposed to. But ideally, you'll never have to deal with somebody with ICP. Right. And here you are. Mm -hmm. So I've never, like, she's done over six, seven, eight hundred pregnancies. I forget the number, but it's over 600. She's never had an ICP patient before. So she's like, I literally, like, I could deal with it, but I've never dealt with it before. So I'm not really comfortable, you know, doing your birth because if anything goes wrong, then we could have prevented that. And didn't. Right. And so you need a transfer. Right. And we were like, ah, oh, we do not want a transfer. We're like, what are they going to do if we transfer? Well, we actually talked to, because we did the, um, we went to so-and-so LabCorp, LabCorp, I forget where it was, to, to do the lab results on her, um, on her uh, labor stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, you've got ICP. You, we're going to induce it 37 weeks. And we're like, oh, I don't think that's going to happen actually. And so when we talked to her midwife, she was like, yeah, that's actually like, we're transferring, and so now the hospital is going to be dealing with you, and that's going to be what they do. And so, anyway, we're like, okay, so let's take a break right here. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be right, right back. back. All right, we are back, and you were talking about your. Birth plan, ICP. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we eventually get to the... Uh, so we've determined, okay, we have to go at the hospital's plan. And the first thing they say is, oh, yeah, we're inducing it 37 weeks. And we're like, okay, I guess that's our life right now. And the doctor is just like, um, yeah, so we have a... Um, uh, I was like, okay, so wait, when is 37 weeks? And Juliana's like, today. Today is 37 weeks. And I'm like, oh. The doctor's like, we have a slot at two at three o'clock. You ready? And we're like, can I give you a call back? Sure, take your time. We talked about it. Give her a call back, and we're like, yep, we're coming in. <laughs> Jeez, I was not ready. Like we were actually ready, but mentally I was not ready. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, okay, I guess I have to be. We're doing this now. Yeah. And so they, we have. Um, what happened a little earlier was. Um, when we determined, okay, we're doing the hospital route now, they, they always do an ultrasound ahead of time just because they want to make sure that the baby is the size that we say it is, as old as we say it is, because you don't want to induce early on a, you know, I You can't say induce early because if you induce, that's by definition early, you know. Well, I mean, you could go up to the full weeks, the full 41 or whatever I, mean, I know weeks. people that induced after they're like 43 weeks. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's a point to where you have to, but I actually learned that um, the baby is the sole determiner of when it comes. Yeah. There's actually a hormone that comes from the baby through the umbilical cord to the placenta and that hormone says, I am ready, I am coming. Yeah, pulling the parachute. Yeah. And then the body says, okay, baby says it's ready. Now we're doing it. Now we're having this baby. They actually, they, they like took baby goats and stuff like that. And they uh, like in utero, 
they blocked that hormone and the baby goat would just get bigger and bigger and bigger inside the womb and they're like okay and then you know they had they come to like you know a certain amount in the pregnancy and then they would like induce artificially the hormone and then they had the baby early so they're like wow the baby determines they release a hormone and that's that's what starts it off so if you're inducing yeah it's going to be coming early you know um and so anyway before they induce they always do an ultrasound to make sure the baby's the right size and all um because they induce at 37 weeks because at that point like anywhere in the third trimester is technically okay to induce because uh, the baby is essentially not full term but like okay healthy right you know anytime in the third trimester you can you know you can birth the baby and it'll be it won't have no artificial anything will need to be done ideally complications can always happen but anyway it's like you know you're baking the cake you can pull it out a little bit early it'll still be okay a little gooey in the middle sometimes people like it that way you know um it's still good it's not like it's just a pile of mush you know anyway um, I love how you just described the babies as a <laughs> but, I mean, anyway. But anyway, <laughs> so interesting thing happens um, when we're doing the ultrasound. The tech is looking at the baby and she's like, how old is this baby? And like 37 weeks. And he's like, huh, wow. She's measuring at 37 two days. So she's doing very well. Her heart's beating fantastic. Her lungs are so strong. Everything is so beautiful. What's that? And we were kind of like, what's what? And the tech was like, huh, I'm not sure what that is. And we're like, the baby? She's like, no, no, just over here. I've never seen this before. I've never seen it before. Things that you never want to hear in a doctor's room. Huh, I've never seen this before, you know? And so she's like, at, at the end, she's like, your baby is so healthy. Everything's fine, as far as we know. But there's this thing here that I've never seen before. And so I'm going to need to go confer with some doctors and stuff and we'll get back to you on that and so she leaves the room and we're sitting there like okay well at least the baby's healthy you know right comes back about 20 minutes later and she's like um we still don't know what that is and we're like really she's like yeah we've never seen that before in our lives and we're like what okay and she's like yeah so now we really want to induce early and we're like okay and she's like not because like we think that something bad's gonna happen but because we just don't know because we've never seen it before right could be good could be bad we just don't know you know could so, be nothing could be nothing you know safe thing induce really whatever blah, blah blah so we're like all right well we've already we already know that we're gonna have to induce right so anyway we go to the three o'clock appointment you know we're in the room we've got all our bags we have our birth plan with us and you know, um, and so we have to induce, and the induction was about a 48-hour process. Yeah, that was, I thought, very long. Now, from what I hear, 48 hours is normal for an induction. Really? Okay. That's what I hear. What what I heard what what I understood ahead of time was it's between twelve 
in 48 hours. You know, it can be 24 hours. It could be 48 hours. Longer than that. I don't know. Um, it felt freaking long to me. Spending oh, yeah. two whole days in the hospital just trying to get the baby out. Dude, that's nuts. You know? But anyway, so um, it was like, gosh, I want to say it was almost, let's see, we got there three, it might have been close to six, maybe nine hours before they even started doing anything. Like we were just waiting around for the longest dang time before they got their act together, you know? And then they're like, oh, maybe we should put you on Pitocin. And we're like, okay, here we go. We're on that. You know, it's uh, Pitocin to epidural to C-section. Like, oh, dear, you know. And so anyway, we're on Pitocin, which that's how they induced. They, they wanted to do a couple other methods, and they did. Um, and they were horrible and very painful. There's something called a, a catheter balloon. Basically, they, it's a balloon. They stick it in there. They inflate it just to get the cervix to dilate. You know, and they did this thing twice. First one, about a half a centimeter on that dilation. That doesn't seem like that doesn't didn't didn't do anything. And they're like, huh, it didn't do anything. So uncomfortable for Juliana. Oh my gosh. It's horribly painful too. I can only imagine. And she's on Pitocin. Mm. Which mind you, basically with Pitocin, any of the cramps, I mean not cramps, any of the contractions that you get. Are about twice as painful as they should be. Yeah, because it never ceases. Yeah, it it's never a... ceases. And so, oh man! And then they did this balloon catheter thing a second time with pitocin, and we're just like, oh, my... actually, you know, the first one might not have been on pitocin. I forget. The second one was pitocin in it for sure. And um, I think it was the second one because you and I talked. Yeah, around I think the it time was. Of the first yeah. one. And so, anyway, that second one was even worse than the first. But with it and the Pitocin, they got like three and a half to four centimeters, which is still not much, you know. And we're just like, oh, my goodness. But what did happen is she had regular contractions after that. All they're trying to do is get her body to start making its own contractions, right? you know. And that happened. So now the body, now her body was saying, all right, we're having this baby. Let's do this. And so now we have the regular contractions and they just try to intensify it. And Pitocin is doing that. And, oh, it was just absolute agony. Juliana was in so much pain. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. And after a while, I mean, she just, she was in so much pain. Because normally when you have a contraction, it's painful. You know, it's. Usually it shouldn't be painful. Usually it's just like, you know, it's like constant pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, it will get sore and painful, but then it's done. And you can even go to sleep between contractions. But with hers, there is no rest. After mm -hmm. one contraction, it would linger into yeah, the that's next. That's what Alyssa says about just it. Just complete pain. Oh, it's horrible. She had that with KO. She, that, that's her fear about going to back to a hospital. Yeah. And it was not pleasant at all. And so that happened for a good 26 hours. And um, I guess about, what, 25, no. Yeah, 20 to 22 hours into it, um, 
Juliana just had enough and she was just like, you know, I can't keep doing this. Something has to change. And what it was is that she was in so much pain that she couldn't relax into her contractions. And so everything down there was binding up and seizing. Mm -hmm. She couldn't relax, which you have to relax in order for the cervix to dilate. It sounds counterproductive. Yeah. And so anyway, um, we were like, you know, every, like we had done so many things that were not on our birth plan to not do. And we were just like, like Pitocin was one of them. We're like, well, obviously we're doing that. You know, epidural is another one. Well, we're not doing that. Well, after a certain point, we're like, we might have to do an epidural. And so we talked to our um, midwife's assistant. She was absolutely fantastic. And she gave us some fantastic advice. She was basically saying, look, you're already on Pitocin. You're already doing stuff that you didn't want to do initially. So, you know, you don't want to get to C-section, but at the same time, you are intervening, right? So as far as the natural birth goes, like, honestly, there isn't really any point at this point, you know? Right. And we're just trying to, you know, do this as painlessly as we can. And so here's what hopefully will happen. If you get an epidural then you will continue having contractions but you'll be able to sleep and she was awake and fasted awake and fasted for 26 hours okay well yeah no it was 26 hours um and she was like you've got to get some rest and you've got to relax and you can't do that right now so if you get the epidural you will be able to sleep. And you're so tired, you will sleep, you know. And you will continue having the contractions even while you're asleep. You just won't be able to feel them. And so, ideally, you'll be able to rest. Everything will relax the way it should, and maybe your cervix will dilate. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, that doesn't work. You're still not dilated. or you, you can't feel the muscles to push, and so you have to have a C-section. And we're like, ah, well, that's the best advice that we've gotten so far. And so we were comfortable doing that. So we did. And it worked. It worked exactly the way we wanted it to. It was fantastic. She slept for a good three or four hours solid. I got some sleep there, which, like, you know. As much as Big whoop, Stuart. Way to go. <laughs> you know? No, Juliana's the one that needed to sleep. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and when she woke up, the doctor came in, and he was like, hey, you mind if I check? And Juliana's like, please go for it. What did we do? Get two centimeters? And the doctor looks in there, and she's like, whoa, um, y'all ready to have a baby? <laughs> We're like, really? She's like, she's right there. You're completely dilated. Like, if you if you sneeze, you might have this baby, you know. They're like, okay, well, um, though we've wait we've waited this long, so we can wait twenty minutes more. I'll call the grandparents. We'll get them over here, and we'll have the baby. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Uh, grandmothers were there in the room. Grandfathers were in the waiting room. William came also, so he was in the re- waiting okay, room with awesome. uh, Dad and Wayne, and uh, it was um, it went very well. Uh, Juliana did a fantastic job, and afterwards, some of the nurses were like, "Oh, you're using 
you know, we, we had mentioned that Juliana had the uh, the catheter balloon thing. And they're like, oh, that's a torture device. That thing's horrible. Man, I hate that. It's just no, no, no good at all. No good at all. They were like, yeah, get this. They did it twice. And they were like, twice? Oh, you are a brave woman. You, miss, are a brave woman. My hero. And so, like, literally, doctors and nurses were talking about this for a while. But anyway, so that bump. That uh, that thing that the uh, the ultrasound um, that they found, the doctor came afterward. Uh, uh, after like, uh, actually, when we had started, you know, the whole induction process, she was like, "We know what it is now." We're like, oh, cool, pray tell. She said, "What is what it is? It's called it's called a chorionic bump, and a chorionic bump is basically a hematoma that develops between uh, that can develop between the umbilical cord and the placenta." And it can happen in about, you know, one to seven in a thousand pregnancies or something like that. It's not very, it doesn't happen very often. Um, but it's usually gone within the first trimester. And there's only one case that we know of in medical history where the chorionic bump was still present in the third trimester. And that was in 2006 in Abu Dhabi. Not even in the same country. <laughs> Not even in the same country. And she gave us a study on it, too. She emailed it to us. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I was reading it. And it was like, you know, this is something usually gone in the first trimester, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this one is in the third trimester, which, to our knowledge, is the first in recorded medical history to have a chorionic bump in the third trimester. And so what our doctor was trying to tell us was, you guys are number two in the world recorded history. Oh, there's probably others out there, but it wasn't recorded. And we were like, oh my gosh, wow. And she was like, yeah. So when so we all said, setting up a press conference on yeah. that? Well, the doctor was like, you know, so um, when we said we don't know what it is, it's because we literally didn't know what it was. There was only one study on it. It's only happened one time. Uh, so we have a test sample of one. We don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. That ended up in a C-section for other reasons. Um, hopefully yours won't. Um, so it, you know, we just don't know. We don't know because we've never seen it before. This is the second one that we've ever seen. And not we. We've never seen this before. But, like, this is the second one that the medical world has ever seen. Wow. And I was just sitting there like, Surely not. Wow. Not, but reading the study, it's like, wow, it's true. You know, it's crazy. And uh, she was like, you guys really should have, you know, got a lottery ticket because the chances are about the same. For you to have ICP, rare, very rare. Um, and then to have a chorionic bump on top of that, which is like <laughs> obviously rare. You know, if this is the second one they've ever seen, she was like, man, that's like, yeah, you should have got a lottery ticket because you probably would have got it, you know, <laughs> we got the Powerball and we're like, wow. And so we're like, so what does that mean? And they're like, well, what that means is that we would actually like to save your placenta and send it off to pathology afterwards so that we can study it. And we're like, really? That's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, we, we don't want it. <laughs> so anyway, wow, crazy stuff. Well. All that to say, our baby girl is beautiful, and she's ah, uh, she's just our little joy. Uh, she's wonderful, and 
she's struggling through life and burping and messing in her diaper. She's got a set of lungs, we're, though. We're cleaning all that, but, uh, you know, it's all just par for the course when you have a baby. And, uh, yeah, she does have a fantastic set of lungs. She really does. <laughs> yes, she does. Uh, she's got this wavering, quavering cry when she's, like, really <laughs> upset. <laughs> Oh man, mad and like, upset. It's like, <laughs> oh, honey, ah, oh, yeah. We went to Ole's the other day, and she was doing fine. This is like the second time that we've taken her out to eat since she was born, you know. Um, so uh, correction for that. It's the second time y'all went out to eat with Eliza. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly um, she wasn't out there eating Olay's. Well, I said since... Yeah, well, yeah. I see what you're saying. Saying, yeah. yeah. We stuffed her with some Mexican food. <laughs> Started out bones. early. Anyway, so we go in there, and she just cries her little head off. And she's hungry. And we know this is the case, but Juliana's like, no, we got to go sit down first, you know? And we're like, okay. And so um, Juliana's got the, the, the shawl over her, you know, to have a little privacy, but she's trying to feed... Eliza and that little girl is just not having it. She's just like screaming her little head off, and we're like, "Okay, this is not working." You know, getting a little embarrassing here. You know, maybe you could quiet down, Eliza, honey. Come on, you know, stick something in there. Um, and she's just crying and crying and crying, and then she goes, Bruh! huge belt. Then she's okay. I'm happy now. And then she was quiet the rest of the, rest of the day. Uh, like daddy, like daughter. um so anyway that wasn't our topic for today that's just my reason why my personal reason why we haven't been doing a podcast recently is because i was uh, active dad first dad uh, my first time being a dad so anyway so there you go there you go um well, we've got other things to talk about, but do we want to take a break before we do moving on? I didn't anticipate taking all this time, but I could talk about this forever. So, all right, we'll be right back. All right, we are we back. Are back. Okay. Well, I've talked a lot about having my baby, but we are changing topics. It's actually a drastic change. Very, very drastic, but that's okay. So I, uh, I have become more of a fan. I didn't start out as a fan, so I'll, uh-huh. I'll say that I didn't start out as a fan of Tucker Carlson. Oh yeah, I really? did not. I always thought he was a little brash. He didn't. He has. He, he was very. Yes. He was very um, Yankee in a way. Mm-hmm. Like just very, no real emotion. Just. Hits the points and it, and it, and these what, are the points and deal with it. He does right, yeah. And I just always thought he was a bit too brash mm-hmm. to take seriously, uh huh. Because there's like no, there's oftentimes no emotion in the things that he puts forward. It's very much here it is, suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. And I always was humored by the amount of views he got. Right. Uh, now. Fast forward because Tucker Carlson predated Trump by a lot, you know, I think mm-hmm. many years. Yeah, many years <laughs> that he was doing his thing, and I, I just never, I, I never got cozy on mm-hmm. what he did. And um, then Trump comes on the scene. Yep. Like, well, Trump's the same way. He's 
More so, even. Well, no, he is. No. He is. He is definitely more so. More so. Okay. He's okay. more so. He is definitely more so, and maybe not more so than some of the earlier Tucker Carlson. Yeah, the earlier Tucker Carlson was very arrogant. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's and that's actually a good way. Yeah. I think that's what turned me off. Was his his. I think that happened to arrogance. a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, and I was just like this this guy, like the audacity. Um, because and, and it wasn't that I hated that he was calling people out. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, myself included, people always need to be called to the stage if you're doing something wrong. I've like, noticed that just... diplomatically speaking, there's a right and the wrong way to do that, <laughs> and he doesn't do it the right way. Yeah, uh, I think he started to, and mm-hmm. I what I think was the turn is because Trump came on the scene, and Trump was arrogant, haughty, yeah, yeah. you know, and and he was so much. You start to see Tucker kind of tone it down because he didn't mm-hmm. need to say it anymore. It was being said. Now he just needed to validate it, and that's that's when he grew. Yes, is because he was no longer being this haughty little arrogant news anchor, mm-hmm. and he actually was making valid points, having conversations with people on air, uh, without that that touch of arrogance. Right. Um, but. He di- he diverted <laughs> in a uh, we saw a little bit of old Tucker in a um, I don't even know what it was it was like a summit meeting of some kind I not yeah because the ba- so, so the back the backflash or the backsplash for that specific situation yeah uh, I saw him interview several people and they were all he was in the same clothes so it happened in the same day he must have interviewed numerous people at some kind of uh, gala or something yeah. And I don't know what it was, but I did watch little clips of him calling out multiple people. Right. And I thought the, the, the things that he was saying, it wasn't things that I wouldn't say. Right. Yeah. They were valid questions. He Very. was bringing them out to the open. And uh, the one that really okay. angered me. It looks like uh, I'm just I'm just looking at. the. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, you see the black splash? Oh, no. It okay. says former Fox News host Tucker Carlson clashed with former Vice President Mike Pence over Ukraine at a GOP candidate forum in Iowa. So that's OK. It so it was a forum. Yeah. Yeah. So a gala. It was yeah, essentially yeah. essentially without all the without all the fixings and, mm-hmm. and five course meals. But. He he interviewed multiple people and he was bringing people to the stage and he was just asking simple questions like simple questions that he knew they couldn't answer. Yep. And the one that that really got me and it angered me. It did. Like I I I listened to it twice. Then I let Allie listen to it. And every time I listened to it, it's like I just got more aggravated. Yeah. And then I sent it to you because I was like, <sighs> I'm getting really aggravated, so I just need to send it to somebody else and bounce it. Yeah. And then you said exactly what I was saying. I'm going, okay, so I'm not wrong. No. I am, but... And we won't play the clip just because I don't have it available. Right. But um, essentially, Tug Carlson asking about, you know, why Pence is so... Cons- uh, you know, former Vice President Mike Pence is uh, so concerned with tanks, what we haven't sent to mm-hmm. Ukraine. And, uh, you know, he, he went on and... and Began to tell him all the things that we haven't sent. That's what Mike, Mike Pence was telling Tucker Carlson. You know, we're not doing our job in world affairs is what it came to. Yeah. And and I, and I I noticed that periodically and throughout this process, Tucker Carlson was leading him into a corner that he could not escape. 
Right. And he, he stumbled him at one point and Mike Pence completely diverted everything and started thanking the audience for, you know, support and this and that. So he could try to divert from the question. And then Tucker asked the question again. <laughs> hey, uh, I do actually have it pulled up here if we want to. Uh, yes. In fact, it. if you uh, if you want to use your mic to your speaker. Sure. Um, that will be. Let me turn the sound on here. And this is in Iowa. Did I hear that right? Um, let's see. I think so. Carlson confronted Pence, who is seeking the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, it's Iowa. Iowa. Okay, so Iowa Forum. For uh, nomination, okay, hold on. During a discussion at the Family Leadership Summit in uh, Des Moines, Iowa on Friday. Okay. Now, mind you, this is the former vice president of the United States of America. Yep. Not the former vice president of Ukraine. Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are, distra you are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. So yeah. we're in a lot of trouble because we're not helping Ukraine? That's, Maria, that's what he said. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of... I'm trying, I'm trying to... I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap to my head around with, it, yeah. Like, how could he have misquoted himself or misrepresented himself in well, a see, way and then, that and, would and, make that And make Pence sense. doubles back and says the same thing again. Like, yeah. That's not my concern. He says To make it clear. Concern. He says, where's you know? America and all that? And he goes, well, that's just not my concern. And I'm running for the presidential candidate, and that's not my concern. I'm like... How is that not your concern? How are the literal, the, the American people, you know, not your concern? Yeah. So it sounds to me like he's more concerned about sending our money, sending our tanks, sending our military, sending our support to Ukraine. Yeah. That to, what, what I heard really was you know to heck with america yeah i suppose well, and the Ukraine. sad thing is that's, he's gonna get the pro-life vote yeah at least in the primaries because i don't see him making it past that yeah not not after this. not after that i mean you know he's he showed his hand here and the thing is is that what doesn't help him here is that he kind of showed his hand originally yeah standing in, on january Trump on and... january 6th um and i was just reading something today i've I could probably find it. It's probably taking too long, though. Um, but basically, it was saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, the vice president has the power to basically um, uh, either confront or combat, or basically has the power to say that we need to redo elections where yeah. there's fraud involved." Mm -hmm. And like, so Mike 
Pence. Yeah, they brought that up when it was happening. It was big news that he didn't stand up for that. And yeah, so when, you know, when Donald Trump was basically saying, you know, hey, there are so many accounts of election fraud here. We need a recount. We need a revote or something because this just doesn't happen. This is impossible. And literal uh, millions of Americans were saying the same thing. They were saying, we need to investigate this. We need to do this it's again because right. there was fraud. This is not right. This is statistically impossible. And Mike Pence had the power to say, yeah, we need to do that. And he, he turned it down. He did not do it. And he also squimished away during the impeachment. Yep. You know, he voted on the side of impeaching him. Yep. Instead of the other side. And and I that's when like Mike Pence for me. Yeah. No. He fell off the map. He fell off. Absolutely not. You know But and so this like, just confirms what I thought right. I knew. Yeah. I mean, because you have on the January sixth, this is like this is like about as American as it gets. Voting. Because that's something mm-hmm. that Americans pride themselves in, is we get to vote. Not only do I get to vote, not only do you get to vote, but the women get to vote too. Everybody in America gets to vote. And so it's it's a very American thing to be like, go vote, go vote, you know, use your right to vote. But if your vote doesn't mean anything... There's no purpose in it. And so I would say that as far as the whole it's American to go vote, it's very anti-American to have any kind of voter fraud. Yeah. And and know? I think, you know, uh, as a as a country, I just I, I at the time I thought it was kind of laughable. But, you know, what I'm saying next was laughable. Yeah. But the fact that all these third parties, libertarians, mm-hmm. you know, Green Party, they're laughing at this situation because what have they been saying for the past 20 years? Yeah. What? The whole your thing is a fraud. Count. Yeah. yeah. Your vote doesn't count. Yeah. It's not a, it, you know, vote for third party because your vote doesn't count anyway. You might right. as well throw it somewhere well else that you believe away. in. And, you, you know, know it, I, it, I hated it because, like, you know, my cousin Clayton, he was like, I don't know why you're going to go vote because, no, actually, we were saying, Clayton, you should go vote. And he's like, yeah, but it's not going to count for anything anyway, so why would I do that? And the thing is, is if Clayton believes something, that he's not going to do it just you know, for formality. And so he didn't actually vote. I always I was, admire him for that. He will stand I know. And so I was kind of like, I mean, I admire you for that, but still, dude, come on. You know, like, support. It's very admirable. Represent. And then when that happened, I was like, dang it if he wasn't right. <laughs> you know? You know it's, it, it's, uh, and they've been screaming this for 20 years. So this yeah. is not something that, like, you know, and and what changed me was uh, my first wife. Her family was all very much that way. Now, mind you, I came from the vote, 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 vote. You know, my I have family members that were part of the Bush campaign. Right. God forgive them. God forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was their, you know, I, I grew up with this, you know, vote, 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 vote. And so then when, you know, when I got married and blended into this family that, doesn't even believe that you should go to the ballot box. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. And I'm I'm not going to say I didn't start like really looking into this going. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's a, but it begs the question. Does it actually Does it and then you find all these people that don't believe that it counts. I'm going, okay, well this is so it's a wow, thing now. This is a thing. And and then fast forward to, you know, 2020, 
Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when they're like, you know, this is a twenty year prediction. In the back of my mind You don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. I'm like, they're they're probably right, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And then it's like, okay, they're right. Dang it. You know. I mean, we've all seen House of Cards. Come on now. Yeah, really, <laughs> you know? really. I mean, and, and so this is just this is just another another one of those things that you you've got the January sixth thing where you know one of the most American things that you can possibly think of the 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 question as to whether your vote counts or not or whether there was election fraud you know uh, like with voting and stuff we should be just as concerned with that as with like you know the Second Amendment right because that's another thing that you know a lot of you know patriots like to fight about is like you know hey does the second amendment matter does it count does it mean what it how it reads and my answer is yes it does you know and so we fight really hard because we don't want to lose that and we should fight just as hard for this whole you know voting thing because you know if there's nothing fair about an election if it's completely rigged from the get-go you know and so that is like this is like political crimes that we're being that are that we're investigating, you know, and so it should be the most American thing to dig in here and to kick out the people, and penalize and punish the people uh, who are doing this because it's a, it's a federal crime yeah. to commit election fraud. It is it's a federal crime, and and so Mike Pence didn't stand for America then. No, and now when the Ukraine of all places is demanding that we send them money and tanks and military support, and he wants to go support a foreign country over... Like, we don't have money to give them. We don't. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is not the intention to start another debate sure. or World War Three here, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ukraine experienced their own election fraud. I believe so. And the person that they voted did not get voted in, and uh, was it Belinsky? Got yeah. appointed. Yeah, he wasn't voted in. He was appointed. No, I, I, I believe the, he's an American stooge. Yeah, the 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 system that the the person that they voted for was ousted mm-hmm. as as you know you could call it mutiny, mm-hmm. and it was by the elites in Ukraine and part of Russia that established. I could be wrong, but this is what I've read and heard. Right. right. So again grain of salt look into it look into look into it because this is what i've heard and so when you look at that you're going okay well if that is true mm-hmm. pence is just standing with the crowd of elites yeah the global exactly. cabal that yep. puts everything into a a uh, a nut bowl and picks the one that they want out of it because they like cashews over almonds yep. Yep. and that's that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna put out and he's just showing his colors yeah he's and, showing his colors and, and you know, Thank the, the, God for Tucker Carlson, who uh, you know again, a little bit of arrogance, but you know it paid off here like because that. he called him on the carpet. We he walked him. He walked like him that. into a corner and said, "Stand there. I've got three questions for you." And if you watch the full, which I encourage everyone to do, if you watch the full interview, it only took four questions. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> it only took four questions to walk him into a corner, and the third question. Mike Pence is like, oh, I want to thank all my support. I want to take this moment, thank all my supporters and all this. Meanwhile, he's just trying to gather his thoughts. How do I walk out of this? How do I walk yeah, out of this? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. another one coming. There's another one coming. And you could see that in his face because he stumbled so hard. And then that that question came up, and Mike Pence just dropped the hammer. I don't care about America. That's what yeah. I don't care about Americans. I don't care about this country. 
And that's where I stand. Yep. Now, like I said, the sad thing is he is, or claims to be, pro-life. So he's probably in the primary is going to get a lot of that support. Because yep. as far as I'm aware, other than Trump, he is the only pro-life candidate for mm -hmm. the Republicans. Yeah. So he's probably going to swing at least double digits in the primaries. No, he's the only pro-life candidate for the Republicans? I think so. If I'm I saying read, that if there I are other Republicans that are running that are not pro-life? I have, well, there's pro-choice. There are some pro-choice. Jeez. Oh, that, and I haven't looked into it to the full extent, but this uh -huh. is what I've read so far. Yeah. Because that's what I was looking. Is he going to pull a large vote? Right. You know, and that's if he makes it past the primaries. And based yeah. on this, I mean, no, gosh, gosh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. And so, because he tossed out our last election, yeah, he tossed it out. He tossed out this one. Yeah, this election. Yeah, this he just is, tossed out this he, one by saying he yeah, doesn't care exactly. about Americans. Exactly. He just. So what that says is he cares more about Ukrainians and what's going on over there than he cares about his own. Which country. essentially is just and that's exactly Tucker what Biden Carlson is Tucker doing. Carlson literally. You know, told him he's like, "Hey, America is hurting. What do you? You know, we don't have money. Prices are going up. I've Things heard this routine from Crime is going up. You know, America is burning right now. You know, why are we giving all this support to Ukraine when we need it here? We need to keep it here in our country. Yeah. We need to fix what's going on here. And he goes, "That's not my concern." Yeah. It's like, are you for real? And then you have the other side of the coin, which is, you know, again, I'll echo what I said about Clayton. I love Clayton's mm -hmm. yeah. ability to stand on his belief. And even when he's wrong, I'll, I'll give him that. He will stand firm on that. And I think that's a good Christian principle, it honestly. Is. Being able to stand on what you, stand believe what you believe in the utter despair of everything around you, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, RFK Jr. Yep. This is the first time since I've been voting, mm -hmm. and I would say first time in my life because I started getting interested in politics when I was about nine. Uh huh. You know, I would pick up my dad's U.S. News and World Report and read it. Yep. Cover to cover. So I was able to have full-on conversations with adults about American politics, sometimes better than they could, <laughs> because. That's that's what I grew up around learning this stuff, mm -hmm. and I found interest in it because it was interesting to me, you know. But I've never once thought that there was a Democrat out there worth voting for that worth held for, yeah. my principles. Yeah, and lo and behold, one has shown yeah. up. R. F. K. Junior. So for me, were you about to look something up? I uh, felt like you were. I'm, I'm, I'm looking stuff, stuff up, but I'm. Do you need me to look up something? No, no. Up? I just thought I was going to pause if you were about to. No, I'm not about to drop anything right now. So the things that that I hit, like that hit, hits home for me. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm a very, I'm very against vaccination. Yes, same. RFK Junior. Very against vaccination. Wow. And I heard, and this is something I need to look into more. Uh, I could ask my wonderful wife because she actually, I've never heard of this guy before this year. Mm -hmm. Like, I had heard of him, but never, there was never any uh, substance. I'd never heard about him before. You know, he was, he was an empty ball canning jar. And then when he shows up and, you know, I find out that, you know, my darling wife has a 
jar full of homemade salsa, and that's that that's what he is to her. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm you know, like, I, there was a lot about this guy. <laughs> what 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 am I missing? You know, mm-hmm. and I heard, and I, I need to I need to get back and do some studying and get back on this, but. I heard that when he was diagnosed with his, uh, he has a vocal cord issue, so he talks mm-hmm. really funny. It's yeah. actually really hard to listen to him. It yeah. really is. But I have actually started making myself listen to him because when he speaks, he means it. He right. means what he says. He means something, yeah. And what's funny is he, he actually says, you know, he doesn't waste words because it hurts when he talks. Yeah. And his vocal cords have like a paralyzed he has one of his vocal cords is partially paralyzed oh, in one spot, and the other one is partially paralyzed in another spot. And so his vocal cords flutter when huh. he talks. And so he has this really, like, almost, if you can imagine Parkinson's in a voice, yeah, that's, that's, what, he's got. that's what he's got. Yeah. And uh, hmm. apparently they were able to trace that back on independent studies to vaccinations. Oh, wow. And he firmly believes that's what that's caused the, the paralysis of his vocal cord. Wow. Is and so he's very against it. Uh-huh. There's there's not a part of him that it, that is even like that's one thing I've heard him remotely like he won't even ha- in, entertain a conversation where someone wants to bully him into a corner. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, that's great. I've also heard multiple multiple conversations where he's been asked about the second amendment. Again, mm-hmm. this is a big one for me. Big one for me. And yeah. he has on multiple points said that it it is a right. Yeah. It is a right and I believe everyone should have one. And this is this is not something that needs to be taken for granted or mm-hmm. needs to be removed. Right. And he was like, if any you know senator, congressman wants to get that removed, they should reconsider their spot of authority. Yeah. In Congress. And I because you're anti-American. Yeah. And and that's without saying it, that's what he said in yeah. several interviews. And 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 people have asked him, and this is one that that I uh, and, I, and I'll digress a little bit. Mm-hmm. JFK was very American. Mm-hmm. I would say JFK is one of the most American presidents we've ever had. If I was voting age, even though, you know, I mean, scandal be scandals, he wasn't a great person. I mm-hmm. get that. Not yeah. everybody is a great person all the time. It's just fact. Yeah. But as far as what he believed in his principles and policies, he was a good president. Yeah, there's a reason he got assassinated. <laughs> Which... RFK Jr. has said so much about that, and he's like, I really can't talk enough about that because there's people out there that are ready to do it to me. Yep, and he's not wrong. And he said, I'm, I, am, I am one conversation away from the CIA coming after me, too. Yeah. And <laughs> just like, well, dude. <laughs> he knows, you know. Yeah. But, but he was asked in, a, in an interview, and, and again, what I... I found out that Allie knew more about this guy than I did. I was like, well, well I've just wasted my life. <laughs> yep. You know, she came into the room and I was like, who is this guy? And she went, what? Where did this come from? Who are you? And what have you done with my wife? <laughs> yeah. Like, where did, where did uh, okay. You know, and the first thing she, well, he's anti-vax, you know? And, and we stand with that. And I'm going, yes, but... That doesn't solve that I don't know who he is. Yeah. You know, problem me here. Yeah, help me out. Uh, so I started watching interviews. Yeah. And one of the big ones that I found very unique. Mm-hmm. And it was the one, it was the first one that I watched, honestly. And then from there, I went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But uh, the first one that I watched was him going in and someone asked him if he was a Democrat. Yeah. 
That was a big one. That I is a like, big question. But... This is it's a it was a loaded question. He knew it was a loaded question, yeah. and he answered it very elegantly. Wow. He said, "Yes, I'm a Democrat. I do stand on Democrat principles. Those Democrat principles don't exist today." <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he said, but I am, I am a Democrat, and I do stand for those principles. But Democrats used to be for America. They used to, yeah. You know, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the article in front of me. But that was the gist of this, you know, are you a Democrat? Yes, but Democrat used to mean something. Yeah. And it doesn't. It'd be like if somebody was arguing, like, Somebody was looking. Are you a Christian? At, well, if somebody was looking at the PCUSA and all this stuff. Oh, that's a good there, one. And then yeah. the PCA, and then they look at you and say, "Are you a Presbyterian?" It's like, <sighs> yes, but they used to stand for something. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to mean something. Yeah, used to mean something. And I just think that so the fact that he's even crossing my mind as an opportunity because we that's don't have something. Yeah, when the most solid person. That conservatives have is a generational Democrat. Yeah, I know. How like where are we? Right. It's like I'm watching an episode of the Twilight Zone. That's what it feels like. It really does. Like I'm in black and white, just walking through. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just I found and, and I would encourage Sterling all right conservatives now. look into him mm-hmm. and pray for him. Yes. Pray for him. That he pray for he, his uh, security. There's a couple of people that we need to be praying for. We need to be praying for him, uh, RFK Jr., for Tucker Carlson, uh, Donald J. Trump. Don't don't forget to pray for him. You know, um, but there's a lot of people that need our prayers because they're in the limelight and people hate them. Yeah, you know, and people hate them. And, and it's because they stand for something. Because they stand for something. And that's right. what we've lost as a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we've talked about culture and the changes before, but that's something we've lost as a culture. And that's why when you find things like when Clayton says, I don't agree with this, and you know he's going to die on that mountain. Yeah. It's, you You can disagree with him all day long. Yeah. You can hate the fact that he thinks that way. Yeah. But you cannot help but admire that. No, you can't. Yeah. I can disagree. I mean, he and I have had multiple disagreements. It's just like. I can't not like I can't get into a full disagreement with you like, because I do disagree with you, but I admire what I you, admire you know? how hard you are standing yeah, on yeah. that ledge. And oftentimes he's not like one hundred percent wrong either. Yeah. He may be a little jaded yeah. in the way he thinks about it. But he's there and he believes it. Mm-hmm. And we should all be that way to a level. Mm-hmm. You know, we should all be able to stand on and this goes back to, you know, what would what would it be like if you were confronted about your Christian faith? Yeah. And we're going to take a break right here, and I'll finish that thought as soon as we come back.